to be here today. And I am going to be doing a two-part series about women and how God esteems women, how how women um, tend to esteem themselves or should esteem themselves, all of that. And, you know, this is kind of a, um, a, a, a tricky topic uh, because, boy, tensions run high. Uh, and sometimes, uh, because of the religiosity of the church and because of the situation of, uh, uh, perspectives that somehow women are less than or subordinate or whatever that have been cultural norms. And the way that because of that, women have been oppressed. Sometimes, let's be clear, women have been the oppressors. So, you know, we <laughs> this we have human issues, don't we? Uh, but where there are gender divides uh, and that kind of thing, it can feel, if you're a woman or if you're a man, uh, that sometimes God favors men over women. And that's how we're, what we're going to be talking about this first uh, first of this series, uh, the question is, does God favor men over women? Now, I did not grow up in the church. Um, I grew up outside the church. I grew up uh, in a, an academic home uh, where what was valued was um, uh, academic brilliance and being cultured, uh, being educated, it was very elitist, um, and it was also supposedly s- supremely open-minded. But with the dysfunction that was preve- prevalent, the, the word was that somehow women were as valuable as men. But what how that played out is that the women were taken advantage of, used, and that kind of thing. So you're saying one message, and the other message is somehow women are less than while we're saying they're equal. It was very disturbing, toxic um, uh, environment to come from uh, as a little girl. And I would assume so if little boys had been in the home. We didn't have little boys in the home. Um, But, um, and so I really uh, came up with this concept that somehow uh, women were less than, and they would always have to fight to be equal. And my mom was actually a self-proclaimed feminist, and she's very proud of that fact till the day she died. And this was probably in the second wave of feminism, because the first wave was about the women's right to vote. And then the second uh, wave was more about equal pay for equal work. And my mom was very much involved with that. Um, and, but we had this real disconnect and there was just a lot of dysfunction in male female relationships. And, and I got the message that somehow women were less than they were made. They were basically there to be used. And that's kind of, that's the yucky. I'm sorry if, if that's a background that you've come from. I'm sorry. Um, but you can overcome it. And that came from outside the church. So by the time I get in the church, 
<laughs> and all of that way down the road. But I was reading the Bible from the lens of less than. I saw it everywhere. And it was very hard to um, get the real sense that God is really for his daughters, not just as a secondary thought, not just as an sort of evil necessity, right? You can't live with them. You can't live without them. <laughs> and the truth is we can't live with or without one another, either gender um, or just people in general, we'll say, right? And so then what happened was a spin on the Bible that looked like God favored men over women. And it was excruciatingly painful. And then when you add to that um, sort of the um, uh, male-dominated, uh, the guys are at the top of the church, that just exacerbated that. And then we'd bring up all these different topics. And it just seemed like, well, dang, God must really favor men over women. And it was very hard for me. And I know there's a lot of women out there that have struggled with this. There's a lot of women that have struggled with the concept of God as being a man, um, a male. And he is. And he's also female. <laughs> and um, there's lots of tremendous studies about that. I'll just, I'll just mention this up front. So you have father, God. Now father is a male name. It just is. Okay. The father is a male. Okay. And then you have Jesus, the express image of the father who came in the form of a man representing all humanity. Okay. And then you have Holy Spirit. And in um, the Old Testament, Holy Spirit is actually the word Ruach, right? The Spirit brooded over the waters, right? And Ruach is feminine. So Holy Spirit has a lot of feminine attributes, you know. And in the spirit realm, uh, male and female are all one. And it's a mystery. But this plays out a lot because if you feel as a woman that God is a, a man and somehow men are superior in some way, um, and they have strengths, you know, generally that women don't have, and women have strengths that generally uh, men don't have, and we get to qualify and compliment one another and make one another better, but there's no, um, no disparity. And we're going to talk about that, but let's, let's start to unpack this a little more because if you think, have this feeling, and since I was brought up with such a shame-based nature because of incest that happened in my home, then, you know, uh, that, that just played really well in that, right? That whole thing. So, um, that's just a little bit about me and a little bit about my journey. I know you have your journey. Um, whether, you know, whether or not you're a woman or trying to figure this out or whatever, everyone has a journey and there, the, the issue of gender is really a huge thing. And we're having much greater talks about gender and that kind of thing that we're, we won't be getting in today. I'm just going to keep it male, a female and, uh, let's, let's engage with that because everybody, um, is able to relate. Uh, in some way. So, okay, so let's go at the very beginning. And this is not before the foundation of the world, which we will be talking about later. We're going to go to Genesis 126 and 127. Let me scoot something up for just a second here. There we go. 
Alrighty. So Genesis 126, 127 in the New American Standard. Uh, then God said, let us, so who's the us? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? Make mankind in our image and according to our likeness and let them, ding, da, ding, ding, um, rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the livestock, over all the earth and over every crawling thing that crawls upon the earth. So we have let us uh, create them. Okay, uh, mankind, humankind. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. <laughs> or he created them, male and female. He created them. So there's a plurality in Adam before the woman inside was revealed. So humankind is both male and female. And has both been created in the image and likeness of God, who is both male and female. Okay, uh, so let's unpack this. Um, and it says that we were supposed to uh, let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the livestock and over all the earth and over every crawling thing that crawls upon the earth. Um, that's Genesis one twenty six, and I, I'm going to list it out. So we got the fish, we got the birds, we got the livestock over all the earth and every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. So that's dominion over creation. So what did God not give them dominion over? And I'll just answer it because I, I hate it when people say, well, tell me what I'm thinking. No, that's wrong. <laughs> I'll just tell you what I'm thinking. Um, he did not give us dominion over one another. Okay. So the concept of dominating one another is not a con God concept. Um, when the first woman was unveiled in Genesis 2, 19 through 23, she was called the woman. Um, let's see. Uh, Adam was, uh, God was bringing to man. Adam, uh, both male and female at, at the time, uh, male with female inside, right? Uh, every animal of the field, every bird of the sky. And he brought them to the man, Adam, to see what he would call them, okay? So here he was asserting a level of dominance, benign dominance, um, over all these. When you name something, you identify it. And in some days, you, ways you restrict it and you say, this is who you are. When I name something, I'm, I'm giving identity. And that was an incredible power that God gave to his kids, the man and the woman. Um, so, and then there wasn't a suitable help, helper for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept. Then he took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh in that place. Now, you know, a lot of people... Uh, with this, um, whether you take this as literal, whether you take it as allegorical, the concept is the same. So let's just, we're not, let's not debate um, literal, allegorical. Let's just enjoy what the story is trying to tell us and the meaning it's bringing, okay? Um, he took one of the ribs and closed up the, f the flesh in that place. And the Lord God fashioned into 
a woman the rib which she had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, at last, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Okay, I would propose to you um, that that in some way was asserting some domination over the female part of himself. Why? Because he was naming it. Okay. Um, right. So the fall for sure, if that was not the begin beginning of gender inequality or whatever, the fall sure was. And I, and I think this really happened in the fall. So understand we have the eating of the fruit, the forbidden fruit, um, and then the consequences of that, those were saying, because this has been done, serpent, these are the, these are the consequences, uh, uh, um, woman, the woman, um, who was brought to him, these are the consequences of that. And there's interestingly enmity between Satan, the serpent and Eve. So it's interesting. That's where the battle is, which is really fascinating. Not necessarily between, Adam and the serpent. There's a lot of different things we could discuss there. The Bible doesn't make it really clear, and that's okay. The Bible doesn't clarify everything. It's okay. You talk to the Holy Spirit inside, right? And then, um, and after all that, when he is proclaiming the consequences of the fallen way, our fallen way of being, right, where we operate from the place of separation and we feel separated, um, the the consequence of that for one of the consequences for the women women was yet your desire will be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Now, was this God's will? No, it wasn't God's will. <laughs> God's will was that they they um, asked forgiveness, um, practice you know, and 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 received their the continued awareness of their union with a good God who never changes. Okay. And, but that consequence happened and it said, and he shall rule over you. Your desire will be for your husband. So this is the battle of the sexes that he just outlined. When her desire is for her husband, that word desire is not used much many times in the Bible. It's actually more for this kind of usurping. Um, I'm trying to, it's a power play. I'm trying to usurp and, and demonstrate power over my husband, right? Um, but he will dominate her. And that's where the, um, the battle of the sexes began really sad. But what was God's response? Because we're really asking the question, does God favor men over women? Okay. Um, and so God's response was from my perspective, he wanted to redeem that co-equal position, right? We're going to have dominion over the created realm side by side, but not dominion over one another, right? And so the first time you see it uh, is in the flood. If you go to Genesis 7, a couple chapters later, this is God, whether we're talking about whether this allegory or really happened or all that kind of thing, this is not the discussion. Let's talk about the meaning of it and the understanding from this perspective behind it, right? Uh, then the Lord said to Noah and to the ark, you and all your household for you alone I have seen to be righteous before me, yada, yada. Okay, so Noah was supposed to enter the ark, him and his household. So at that time, he had uh, three sons 
and they had wives, right? And it was Noah and Noah's wife, okay? Um, so this is how Noah perceived this command, okay? I'm supposed to be going onto the ark with my wife, then my sons and their wives follow. And that was the order of, uh, uh, of authority, of honor, that kind of thing. So what did Noah do? <laughs> okay, on the very same day, Noah's interpretation, Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, his sons, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. So get the order, Noah, the three sons, then trailing behind them is his wife and their son's wives, and then all the animals. And that's the order of importance, right? Of honor. Was that what God said? No, that's not what God said, but that's what Noah did. Why? Because he had this perspective of women being, of men being um, superior to women. Okay. So God, um, being himself, I, mean, I really find this kind of humorous. He gives the instructions. Okay. So Noah has a chance to redeem himself. Right. So he's not operating under this curse like thinking that somehow he is above or dominating or over or superior or more valuable than his wife. OK, so God gives Noah another chance. I love this. this is so funny. OK, so Genesis 8, 14, New American Standard on the second month, man on month on the 27th day on the month um, of the month, the earth was dry. Then God spoke to Noah. Okay, go out of that ark, you, your wife, and your sons, and your sons' wives with you. Okay, so husband and wives enter into the ark together. Um, sons and their wives enter into the ark together. I'm sorry, exit the ark. This is how they're exiting, sorry. And then all the animals behind them. So this is how Noah fulfilled God's instruction. Okay, uh, Genesis 8.18. So Noah went out. And his sons <laughs> and his wife and his son's wives with him. Then every animal, every crawling thing, every bird, yada, yada. So what did, what did Noah do? The dudes go out first and the women, you know, um, uh, afterwards, right? Okay. So he was, he was, he was only partially obeying God and he blew it. Noah, you blew it. We love you anyway, but you blew it. Okay. So, um, so this was God trying to redeem, like, these are my sons and my daughters. There is no preference, no value, no better, one better than the other, no one to dominate the others. They're different strengths and different weaknesses. And we get to complement and help one another, but we're completely equal, right? Um, and so, uh, you know, how did God view people? Well, you know, uh, Jesus, the express image of the Father, honored women, advocated for women, elevated the status of women, and prayed for oneness between everyone, all things, including men and women, right? Um, uh, his Mary, who had met him, uh, was the first person to see uh, Jesus after he resurrected. She became the first evangelist. The honor he shows to women is amazing because the dishonor has been so pervasive. It's kind of been the um the water you swim in you know it kind of is and you know um women we are called to forgive and not be bitter do not burn your bra unless it's uncomfortable okay <laughs> but 
right? But it is a thing, okay? Um, but how does God feel about it? Because the thing is this, it's going to be very hard as a woman to not feel like a second-class citizen if it looks like that, wow, God is really pro-men and, you know, um, and women he tolerates were kind of problems, right? Or whatever. Um, and, and let me just say this, just because you see it in the Bible doesn't mean that it's God's will. I'm going to say that again. Or was God's idea? <laughs> um, the whole idea of polygamy, he had to meet people where they were at. That was the culture, right? One man, multiple wives. Sucks for the women, right? Women are dependent on the men because they have all the power. They have all the, the, the money. They have all the political clout. They, they're stronger. They're the ones doing battle, all of that. And, and, you know, and women are, 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 are raising kids and cleaning and cooking, which is not valued as much. And so, um, but that, that's a human perspective. And God is so honest. I love it. He allows all that stuff in the Bible, but that doesn't mean that was his idea and that he approved of it. But, you know, you have to understand if God tolerates any kind of sinful behavior, uh, he does it for both sexes. Let me tell you one of the things, the consequences of the battle of the sexes is that men have had a tendency to dominate women, patronize women, condescend to women, whatever that is. But women, not being blameless, because we haven't had the power, right, that kind of power, we've had to use backdoor influence, Right. And how many of you uh, have seen the movie? Um, oh, my goodness. I'm like on it. My big fat Greek wet wedding. Like he's the head of the household, but I'm a great neck. You know, <laughs> I turn it any way I want to. Well, that's not exactly honoring the guys to to manipulate. And that's kind of been how women have in their in their fallen way of trying to survive and trying to get power and grappling have used sex to manipulate, have used, you know, I don't know, whatever feminine wiles you want to call it to manipulate. Okay. So that's not okay either. Okay. <laughs> so we both got things, but let's get back to God and how he values women because this has been a thing. So let's go to Galatians 3.27. said, faith immersed you into Christ. Um, I'll keep going. And now that you are covered and clothed in his life. So you are covered and clothed in the life of Christ. Christ went on the cross on behalf of all humanity. Okay. Period. Okay. And so we no longer see one another in our former state, Jew or non-Jew, rich or poor, male or female, because we're all one through our union with Jesus Christ. God's idea is oneness. That doesn't mean, uh, let me just be clear. Is oneness and union, one with him, one with one another, okay? But there is distinction, okay? So it's not like if you're a certain race, well, you just become a non-color, you know? I mean, <laughs> we're all people of color, but we didn't put it that way. But, you know, you, you maintain your distinction, and that's glorious. Let's celebrate that, but we get to be one. So, as God's kids, we get it all. Okay, we get to be one with one another, but we get to be distinct in our um, Jew, non-Jew, uh, rich or poor. I'm not sure how eternal that is, but um, male or female, right? Um, I I am female. I just am. I love being a woman. I think it's awesome. I love it. Okay. Um, uh, but, you know, there have been drawbacks and, you know, all of that. And it's what it is. But you, I get to maintain that. But I also get to be one with my brothers. 
I get to be one with my sisters. I get to be one with God. And that's heaven on earth, right? And that's what God is doing. He's drawing everything to himself, right? So the value, he's not looking at value based on your socioeconomic, based on your race, which is kind of a faulty idea anyway, because we're a human race, but our, our color, our ethnicity, all of that, um, our gender, um, you know, we get to be one. Yeah. So uh, let's go to uh, John 17. It says, I, I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and the Father are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us. Now, Jesus in his ministry, let's talk a little bit of examples of uh, Jesus's high regard, uh, because Jesus is the express image of the Father, how God was represented in the Old Testament, okay, um, was veiled. And the word of God says that. So how, how women are viewed is going to be distorted. Okay. So just understand that because it's misrepresenting God. Okay. So let's go to the, the, the new covenant. Okay. And let's look at Jesus, who is the express image of the father. He came to show us the father. How did Jesus treat women? Because if women are such problem kids or less than or whatever, then that would totally come out in how Jesus, uh, um, uh, treated women. So uh, we have the time where uh, the woman is caught, caught in the adultery. The, the dude gets off scot-free. Love that. Um, but the woman gets there to be stoned and the guy's off somewhere else. And that just, whatever that is, we have to understand that's the culture Jesus found himself, right? And so what did he do? He advocated for the woman. He totally advocated for her and he convicted all the men, right? Okay. And he called the woman out on her stuff. Why? Because adultery is not her highest form of living, right? I, I, I understand there's brokenness and all. I, I get that. She needed to be loved. I get that. But she also could be powerful, make a choice, right? And so he's saying, you know, I'm, I'm looking at you as powerful and I'm, you're forgiven. Now you can go and you don't have to sin anymore because you're powerful, right? So he didn't gloss it over, didn't cover it up, but he valued her. And I loved it. He got down in the very place where she was and lifted her up and called the dudes out on their stuff at the same time and called the woman out on her stuff. It's a level playing ground. It's awesome. I love that. It's beautiful. And it's so empowering. Okay. Um, let's talk about uh, in Mark 10 uh, when Jesus was talking about divorce and they were, you know, they were testing him. The Pharisees were testing him. And he says, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? In verse two, and he answers, what did Moses command you? Uh, and they said, Moses permitted a man with a certificate of divorce to dismiss her. And Jesus answered and said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. Now, I, I want to point something else out. Because if you look in the Old Testament, or, you know, I mean, even during Jesus's time, there are issues. <laughs> and what God is pointing out, it's like, this is really not who I am, but I have to meet you somewhere. So there's a hardness of heart that I'm meeting you there. Now, this isn't my highest standard because a new commandment he gave us later, which was the commandment of love, right? Um, but because of that, he made some sort of allowance, Right. Um, and he talked about, uh, God made them male and female, 
For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Um, yada, yada, yada. Um, and then he talks about, uh, you know, if, if, if you divorce and then you remarry and they haven't dead, you've committed, they haven't died, you've committed adultery. This is not to condemn anybody. Um, that's just what he said. And for that time, the point I want to bring out is that, um, according to Jesus in this, the women and the men have the same obligations as it came to divorce. This would be a great time to squash the woman down, put her in her place if that was the heart of God, but it was not the heart of God, right? Um, and this was really unheard of during that time. Um, and then, you know, it's interesting that it talks about the man leaving his parents and cleaving to his wife. So which meant the man forfeited his rights in that household and submitted them in the union of marriage. And that was quite unheard of when you think of that. Um, so uh, one of the beautiful things with this whole concept of oneness, the two shall become one flesh. Well, that is a, a parallel of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. And they are other giving love. And so they're one, but they have distinction. There's union. There, there's Father. And you can tell him from Holy Spirit. You can tell him from Jesus. And it's beautiful, but it's all other giving love. It's giving, it's, 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 um, bowing down to lift one another up. And when everybody does that, that's heaven on earth. And that's what marriage is supposed to be, right? Um, his point was if divorce is unavoidable, the women and men should have equal rights and responsibilities. That is complete, that is astounding for that culture because back then women had no rights. They were right along with the, with the cattle, right? They were the goods, right? Um, Jesus did not exclude women. He included them. Um, and so, um, let's see, I'm going to skip that. Um, so even in say, uh, the baptism. Okay. Now, formally in the old covenant, there was this, I'm part of the group thingy that they did was circumcision. Well, I guess women were not part of the group. I guess the men just dragged them in there to be part of that Jewish thing because I belong to God was a circumcision thing. And the last time I checked, that wasn't happening with the women. I'm glad it wasn't happening with the women because it would look completely different from the guys. But what I'm saying is that was not inclusive of women. But this, this parallel um, uh, uh, um, act ritual uh, that was what was the ritual of baptism. And so he included both men and women because both men and women were baptized. So as the outward expression of the inward belonging, all are included. Isn't that beautiful? That's just beautiful, right? Um, Jesus allowed women to minister to him and with him. Talk about that. He had women who, uh, who gave of their substance. They traveled with him. They ministered with him. Um, uh, Let's see. Uh, the verb uh, diakenio used with male deacons is associated with seven women in the Gospels. Isn't that fun? Um, Peter's uh, mother-in-law, Mary Magdalene, Mary, mother of James and John, Salome, mother of Zebedee's sons, Joanna, wife of Cusa, Susanna, and Martha, sister of, of sisters of Mary and Lazarus, Martha, sister of Mary and Lazarus. And these women were held up as examples of servant ministry that blessed Jesus and his followers, right? High value, right? Um, equal value, but it looks, um, it, it, it's, it has a different flavor, which is great. 
right? Um, multiple times women referred to as, and definitely recognized as part of Jesus's ministerial team. You can find that in Luke 2355. Um, Jesus, um, rejected the concept of women only being blessed as they procreated children. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and said anyone, including women, were blessed as they hear and obey the word and the word of love that's gone forth. And we were given the command to love as he loves, right? Um, probably one of the biggest things in terms of does God value uh, women as much as men have been laid squarely at when in the Pauline epistles, and this is an interpretation issue. I'm not going to go through every single one, but uh, Paul routinely uh, had huge regard for women. If you go to Romans 16, 1 and 2, he talks about, I commend you, Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, uh, that you receive her as becometh the saints. Um, so high regard for Phoebe and her work. Servant is translated elsewhere as deacon. Okay, so as a deacon of the church, according to Paul, right? Phoebe, our sister, the deaconess of the church, uh, commands her to be assisted, assist in whatever business. So which means, you know what? Someone's going to be serving her. And chances are it wasn't all going to be other women, right? Uh, commands her to be received as one who is due her work was uh, uh highly regarded, right? Um, he talks about in uh, Romans 16, three through four, greet Priscilla and Aquila. This one always cracks me up because contrary to the custom of the day, Aquila was the guy. Priscilla was the woman and he put the woman before the man. So it would be like, for me, I'm married to Brian and my name is Catherine. So it would be like, well, greet Catherine and Brian, my helpers in, in Christ Jesus. He would put the woman before her husband, which was a very big no-no in that custom. But she was the one that carried the majority of the authority of the work. And so, you know, honor is due. The workman or women is worthy of their hire, right? Uh, so, uh, that was pretty radical, uh, salute. Oh my gosh. I don't know how to say these Typhina and Tryphosa. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Those two, right. Um, and, uh, who labor in the Lord, uh, and salute the beloved Persis who labored much in the Lord. All three here are women and are particularly beloved. Okay, so he's singling them out. He's honoring them and tells people to honor them, salute them, right? One of the ways when you talk about headship, you guys have heard the head of the household, all that kind of thing, is the issue that the um, the husband is the head of the woman, right? Is the issue of that head. This, another meaning for is the source. So as as women are um are sources men are sources right we're all sourced in christ right and we all submit to the god who is the head of all but his headship he's he his headship is serving you and lifting you up just in case you got haven't gotten that um when it talks about in ephesians 6 it talks about children obey your parents in the lord uh, honor your father and mother, yada, yada. Fathers, don't provoke your children. Then it talks about bond servants and their masters, all that kind of stuff. Never once does it say women obey your husband. Um, it does in the marriage ceremonies, I know. But some of this stuff we just kind of pulled out of a hat uh, because of the spin that we had culturally, right? Um, so that that's a big one. 
um, elsewhere we talks about in Corinthians, I do not permit a woman to teach. That's a single woman. Um, that's not women for all times, all places, all circumstances, all generations. Now he's talking to this one woman because it was earlier on, he was talking about issues with strife in the church. And so when you have strife, um, it's not a good idea. There were also some concerns about um, some of the uh, cultural um, uh, aspects that were coming in that were pulling away from the real gospel. So if you're having faulty teaching, I would not permit you to teach. If, if you're under my tutelage, I would be mentoring you and helping you, but not necessarily unleashing you to confuse people. Okay. Um, and, you know, if I'm, if, if I'm, and I've, if we're not in agreement over things, right. Um, and I'm responsible for my flock. Okay. Um, so that's, uh, one of the things, uh, he talks about submitting to one another in love and that's what we do. We submit to one another. And there are times when I submit to my husband because he's smarter in certain areas. I'm just like, oh yeah, you do great. <laughs> And there are times he submits to me. Why? Because I'm smarter in certain areas. And that's, we work that way and we work hand in hand and we love and honor one another. And that that's what we're called to do is love and honor one another, regardless of gender, right? Regardless of gender. Um, I'll skip to that. First uh, Corinthians six seventeen. for uh, them that are joined into the Lord is one spirit. This is not a male or female spirit. We're just one. We are one spirit in Christ, right? Um, for you all are children of God, according to Galatians 3, 26 through 27, uh, by faith in Jesus Christ, for as many of you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And then he talks about, there's no male or female, Jew nor Greek, right? And he talks about the hidden man of the heart. Paul talks about the hidden man of the heart is what's valuable. Well, that's the hidden man of the heart is not, you know, a, a gender, it's the hidden person at the heart. And I think sometimes uh, we run into problems because we get language problems. <laughs> uh, because I was, I was having discussion with this because, you know, I'll post things like God and I'll, I'll talk about a he. Um, and sometimes I'll talk about a she too. Um, and, um, and I got some real flack because I was like, well, how do you know God's a man? Well, I'm like, he, he's got male, he's got female, he's, he's got it all. And we get to reflect him in our flavor, right? Um, uh, so, um, but in the place where um, I say he because father is a he and Jesus is a he and they just are. <laughs> spirit in the old covenant in the Hebrew was she. And then spirit pneuma uh, is uh, neutral. Okay, so we have male and female represented. I think we can relax. And sometimes Father God is rep. I mean, you've heard of Jehovah Jireh, the many-breasted ones. Well, let me just tell you, the last time I checked, the dude's breasts are there, but they're not supplying. <laughs> so the many-breasted one is a, is a female picture. And then he talks about um, about um, uh, nurturing us. When we were born, nurturing Israel when he was born and, and cleaning up Israel in its, you know, it was born in its own blood and all of that kind of thing. Um, and it's very nurturing. It talks about brooding like a hen. And, and Jesus even said, how Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you together as a hen gathers its, ch its chicks, but you would not. That's a female uh, imagery. So, I mean, God's got it all. Uh, and so sometimes, um, 
we we just need to enjoy um, the imagery and engage with God in the places that work the most, right? That function the most. If it's a nurturing thing, well, that's generally a female thing. The dudes can put on band-aids. We rock on. But generally when the moms do it or women do it, the kids are like, I'm good now. <laughs> and the guys are like, you got it on. Where's mom? Right? And that's okay because women tend generally have that. The guys generally are better at protection and we all get to shine. We all get to shine. We're not in competition and nothing's less valuable or more valuable. It is all valuable, right? And that's why the Lord said, called us to love as he loves. Um, the issue of in uh, Corinthians, when it's uh, talking, oh, Ephesians, sorry, where women are to keep silent in the church. You guys have heard this. Well, um, you know, that at the, I'm sorry, that is First Corinthians 14, which is really silly. Uh, it's not all women for all time in every generation, in every situation. No, this was a very particular situation because then later on he says, and all may prophesy. So I can't keep silent and prophesy at the same time unless you can read my mind. <laughs> okay. Um, and telepathy was not really a thing. Um, so, uh, so the bottom line, when we're, when we're understanding these thorny passages, we've got to look at, is it for all people, all time, every circumstance, every generation, or is this a specific circumstance, right? Um, you know, the whole issue of a woman having to cover her head. Well, her head's not evil, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm not wearing my doily today, um, and but I might for fun if I like it. Um, but it, this is a cultural thing. Once again, what was about that? You've got to look at, at scripture in the culture that it was, um, that it was uh, speaking to, the audience it was speaking to. What did it mean to have your head uncovered? It was really dishonorable thing. Okay. So really important. If you were an honorable woman that were representing God, you'd stick a dolly on your head or something. Okay. And, um, but that's not our culture now. Okay. Um, just even the concept in, um, I was talking about the Pauline, uh, going on to say, to Acts, to the book of Acts. Um, it talks about God pouring out his spirit on all flesh. That's male flesh. That's female flesh. The spirit is not exactly well. We'll give an extra dab to the dudes and the women will just have to hang on their husbands and maybe just glean something from them. No, it just came on all flesh, right? Sometimes we really get silly, right? I mean, it just is what it is. Also, Paul, you know, we, we have this concept that women in some church denominations that women can't teach men, which is crazy. Um, and which makes no sense because Paul, uh, had, uh, uh, condoned deaconesses. He condoned female prophets. He condoned female pastors. He condoned female apostles. Okay. So all of the big wig, heavy duty, heavy hitting, hitting foundation of the church, the, which is built on the apostles and the prophets were all, there were men and there were women. And so, uh, so apparently Paul was not as much of a jerk as maybe as he's been portrayed. <laughs> so uh, we have Old Testament and uh, New Testament examples of prophets. We've got uh, a, a Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla was a pastoral ro uh, a, a role. Okay. So she's probably going to teach someone at some point. 
you know, in back then, um, uh, apostles, the apostle Junia, which is a female, uh, was a female apostle. Um, and he was, uh, she, she got the, uh, go ahead from Paul. <laughs> Um, Mary Magdalene was, uh, an apostle and evangelist, right? Um, all missionaries, uh, are really apostolic. And how many women have been missionaries? Okay. Um, so I think maybe we can, um, relax a little bit with some of the, um, the things that we've gotten hung up with in terms of God valuing, uh, men more than women. Of course he values his sons and he values his daughters. We all get value. We all get lifted. And so if there's areas in your, um, in your heart that are feeling less than, um, that are feeling that, man, maybe it's really, um, maybe God's like that. And usually what happens is this. We have the issues and we project them onto God. Right. So, and you know, I, I've seen this. I was listening to one of, um, <clears throat> to a dear sister who is a woman of color. And, you know, she was struggling with the whole Syrophoenician thing that women that was being called a dog. And that just hurt her. It just hurt her because in her lens, coming from the pain of being a woman of color and all the crap that that's been for her. And then she goes to that and it looks like Jesus is belittling this woman of color. And, and so God had to minister his heart to her and he did. <laughs> Yay. Because she's just as valuable as everyone else. Right. And there's no less than, and it's the same way um, for women. If you've been used by men, if you've been taken advantage of, you know, there's a lot of rapes and sexual abuse and messed up crap that goes on there. Trafficking. Um, and women are, by far the heaviest hit with that. I mean, with guys, it's, there's, it's all horrible, right? But if that, if, if you're feeling that somehow, um, that's made you less than or that, that that's okay with God or that, you know, that you getting, getting, you know, not getting the promotion. You know, it's interesting. They did do a, a study. I saw this on making up for, uh, um, like the pay scales of women. And when you take out the components that of women going home to raise kids and that kind of thing and what that would dock in their advancement in their careers and their pay scale, it still came out less. So it's, it's still a thing, even in our cultural, I don't know, whatever, even in, you know, the Western world or whatever, it's still a thing. Um, and you know, I, I believe that God is about conforming us into the image of love which lifts up everybody. And so we all have to own our crap. And so, and the other thing is what God does is he also gives us an awareness of what we're not aware of. If he's leading us and guiding us in all truth, if we are, um, you know, uh, if, if, if you're, if you're a guy and you are patronizing and, you know, sometimes it, the patronization can come as kind of a compliment, but it's really patronizing. And I, I have no problems being told I'm pretty or something like that. But uh, I do have a problem if that is my only contribution. I'm like, okay, like hold the horses, hold the press. <laughs> Let's get this straight. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I'm okay. 
But the bottom line is I have a lot to offer and it has more to do with the externals. And for the guys, you have a lot to offer and it has more to do with than the externals. And that's just how we are. Uh, so our, our ability to contribute is equal and God, God will lead us and guide us into, um, into seeing past the water we swim in. Okay. Um, uh, so, you know, and on the other thing, ladies, be patient too, and be kind and be secure in yourself and forgive. Uh, where it has been a thing and it is a thing. It still is. It just is. And you know, it just is. <laughs> we just live in a fallen world, but we do get to forgive and we do get to love. And there is a time to stand up and say something, but we never want to be, um, um, to tear people down, right? We're here to build everybody up. We all, you know, when one of us comes up gender wise, the, we all come up, right? So it's not a competition. Anyway, I hope that's helped you. Uh, with some of the issues that tend to come up, uh, with, uh, women and how God esteems them. Does God favor men over women? No, it's just silly. <laughs> God just favors his kids. And so you get to enjoy that. You get to lavishly enjoy that. And he honors his kids and he glorifies his kids. And if that's a pain point for you, let him minister to you and heal your heart. Anyway, I hope this has been a blessing. Uh, I'm going to have you uh, come and uh, join me again for part two, uh, which is going to be on women and how and women's self-image, self-esteem issues, women valuing themselves. So I hope this has been a blessing. You have an amazing day. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Perspectives with Catherine Toon. For additional information and resources, please visit katherinetoon.com.